not the only observance that we uh, celebrate during July. Did you know that July is National Make a Difference to Children Month? July is also National Grilling Month. I can get into that. It's also National Hot Dog Month. It's also National Horseradish Month. I didn't know about that. And then there's my favorite. It's National Ice Cream Month. Now, yes, I don't really think you have to, you know, celebrate National Ice Cream Month just one month. I think 12 months out of 12 is a good time to do that. But this week I also learned about another observance that takes place in July. July is National Doghouse Repairs Month. But this observance has nothing to do with that structure in the backyard where your dog spends his nights. This has to do with repairing relationships where maybe you are in the doghouse. And that's what I want us to think about this morning because it's about forgiving one another. That's a pretty big topic, isn't it? It's a topic that hits every one of us. And so I want you to know, before I get started, that I, I don't have any underlying reason for this topic. I am just doing what God brought to me and told me that I needed to bring to you. I found over the years that I preach best about things that I know God is dealing with me about. And let me tell you, it did not take a message on forgiveness for me to know that God has been trying to speak to me about forgiveness. And so this morning, as you listen, maybe you will hear God speaking to you as well. In his book, Whatever Happened to Sin, Dr. Carl Menninger tells the story of a rather erratic man who was standing on the street corner in Chicago. He was shabbily dressed. His face was contorted in anger. His hair was, well, he was wearing an Albert Einstein hairdo that day. And as he stood on the street corner, he would watch as people passed him by, and then every once in a while he would point his finger at one of them and say, guilty. Well, that was rather unnerving for most people. And then he would go back to standing very silent until once again he would look at someone else passing by and say, guilty. Dr. Menninger says the effect this had on people was eerie. They would stop, visibly shaken, look nervously around, and then hurry on their way. And one man was heard to mutter, how did he know? But what were they guilty of? Did anybody know? Were they guilty of illegal parking or lying 
Were they guilty of borrowing from their company? We call that embezzling. Were they guilty of cheating on their wife or cheating on their husband? Were they guilty of cheating on a test or guilty of passing along a juicy bit of gossip? Were they guilty of neglecting their family, trying to get ahead at work? What was it that they were guilty of? Well, nobody knew for sure other than those passing by who heard that word. But one thing is for certain that wherever there is guilt, there needs to be forgiveness, doesn't there? Every one of us, every one of us knows how painful it is when someone won't forgive us. And we also know sometimes it is so difficult for us to do the forgiving And as we think about forgiveness, there's one man in the Bible that just really stands out to me, kind of the master of forgiveness, and that would be Joseph, that man that had that beautiful coat of many colors. You know, almost every family feud begins usually really over some small issue. In fact, lots of times later on, we don't even know what it was that caused that argument to begin but in the case of Joseph well it began when his father Jacob gave him a beautiful coat the story of Joseph is found in Genesis much of Genesis is devoted to it and we're going to pick it up in a little bit in Genesis 50 but let me just give you the reader's digest condensed version of what takes place you see Jacob the father had many sons but Joseph was the one that he favored and everybody knew it the whole family knew it and the brothers were sick and tired of Joseph being thrown in their face they were tired of that snotty little bratty brother who always seemed to get the best of everything And when we think about that story, we know that the brothers had finally had enough and they were going to do something about Joseph. And so they sold him into slavery. But they told their father a different story. They told their father and even tried to bring proof that he had been killed by an animal. And it seemed like for the rest of Joseph's life, everything that he did It was just one bad thing after another, one thing against him after another. But God took all of those bad things and God used them and turned them into a blessing. Eventually, Joseph became prime minister of Egypt. He was second in command. And as the story unfolds, you'll remember that a famine hit back in his homeland and there was absolutely no food. And so people were coming to Egypt where he was trying to get food, trying to stay alive. And one of those people, one family that came was Joseph's own family. His brothers came and stood right in front of him asking for help. 
And they had no idea that that man running the food pantry was their brother, Joseph. Now, Joseph could have taken revenge. Joseph could have tormented them and used his power against them. He could have denied them any food or any other kind of help, but he didn't. After they had come before him several times, Joseph finally revealed himself to them. And in the midst of that reunion, in the midst of all those tears, Joseph offered forgiveness to those brothers. Now, in actuality, he had forgiven them many years before that. He had, he had forgiven them long before they came and, and admitted their wrongdoing and confessed what they had done. And in the end, it was a happy ending. The whole family came, moved so that they could be by Joseph, came to Egypt where there was plenty to eat, and they were taken care of. And while they were there, Jacob the father dies. But he dies a happy man because his family is once more reunited. That son that he thought he had lost was not lost any longer. But the brothers, life wasn't so happy for them because they kept remembering and they were weighed down by the guilt of what they had done, that they had misled their father, that they had hurt Joseph in terrible ways. Turn with me, if you would, in the book of Genesis to the 50th chapter, and let's pick up the story there. Genesis 50. And we're going to begin reading in verse 14. Genesis 50:14. After burying Jacob... Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, Please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. And when Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. And he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. You see, as long as dad was alive, they felt like they were protected. They felt like they were safe from their brother. But with dad out of the picture, now the boys begin to wonder, hmm, was Joseph really genuine when he offered us 
his forgiveness? Or has he just been biding his time until he got the chance to get even with us? What happened here was that their sins were wrecking havoc with their mind. Mentally, they kept going over and over that story. And the guilt just continued to build and build and build. They were rehashing those past sins. And they were afraid of Joseph and what he might now try to do to them. And so they concocted this story. You remember Dad wanted you to be good to us. Dad told you to forgive us. Now, if you and I are honest, when we've been wronged and we suddenly discover that we have the opportunity, that we're in a position to get even with that guy that hurt us, sometimes we're very quick to let the flesh take over, aren't we? Sometimes we're very quick to think about all the ways that we would hurt that person. We maybe don't actually go through it, but we're thinking about it and we're enjoying the pleasure that we're going to get when we get even. Maybe you've heard about the man who was divorced and was ordered to pay alimony. And for years and years and years, he had had to pay $182 every month to his ex-wife. But finally, finally, this was the month he got to make the very last alimony payment. And so as he got ready to make that payment, he decided he didn't want to just send the money, but he wanted to send a message as well. So he got out one of his dress shirts, And he smoothed out the back of it and he began to fill it in like a check. And he put the date down and he made it payable to his ex-wife. And he put $182 in that for how much that check was worth. And he signed his name to it. But then over where the memo line would be, he wrote the following words. Here it is the shirt off my back. You see, this was a man who was bitter, wasn't he? He wanted to get even, but that's not how our hero Joseph acted. Instead of taking the opportunity to get even, Joseph wept that his brothers would even think that he would do that. And he reassured them, that his forgiveness was genuine. He was not going to go back on his word. In effect, he was saying to them, listen, brothers, listen closely. Let's get the air cleared for the very last time. I know what you did, and I know that you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. I didn't always understand that, but now I do. The past is the past, so get it straight. God used it for good. That was probably Joseph's finest hour in all of his life. Joseph recognized that God's hand had been on him his entire life, even during those worst times of his life, during the darkest times. God gave Joseph the faith to see 
that God had allowed those things to happen so that God could be glorified. God had allowed him to become in a, in a place of power, second in command, to help not only his own family, but all of his countrymen as well, to get through that famine. Joseph was not excusing his brother's sin, but he was acknowledging that God had used that sin to make good things happen. You see, forgiveness is at the very heart of our relationship with God. And forgiveness must be at the heart of our relationship with one another. So how can we forgive like Joseph did? Did God give Joseph a special gift that was just for Joseph and none of the, none of the rest of us ever get that gift? No. Every one of us has the capability to forgive others when we've been hurt. And here's how we do it. We have to hand it over to God. We have to give our hurts to God and let him handle any revenge. When we do that, we are relieved of the responsibility that we have carried around to give people what we think they deserve. That's for God to do. That's for God to determine and for him to carry out. When we forgive someone else, we set a prisoner free, and that prisoner is ourselves. When Joseph asked his brothers, am I in the place of God? He was reminding them that it wasn't his place to get revenge. And Paul reminds us in Romans 12 when he says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We must learn to leave getting even with God. Joseph certainly had the right and eventually he had the power that he could have punished those brothers of his for what they had done. He could have gotten revenge on them, but in his mercy and his kindness, he chose to forgive them. He wept over them, and it says that he spoke kindly to them. How might my life be different if I would speak kindly to my enemies how would yours be different you know joseph is very much like god god has the right and he has the power to punish us when we sin and we deserve that and yet god says when you recognize what you have done i want to forgive you I want to show you my love. I want to be generous. I want to restore our broken relationship. And so it is with Joseph. He restored the relationship that he had had with his family. This is the very same thing that Pastor Gary talked about just last week when he talked about our need to move forward. When we harbor ill will in our hearts, we give Satan power over us 
It is only when we have a forgiving spirit that we are able to move forward and to have a renewed relationship. Now, sin does have consequences. And Joseph was the one that suffered the consequences of someone else's sin. And sometimes that happens to us as well. Joseph was wrongly imprisoned for 13 years. Those were years he would never get back again. They were lost to him. But God uses the consequences of our sins at times to bring about good. Think about it. In Joseph's case, if the brothers hadn't sold Joseph into slavery, he would have never gotten to Potiphar's house. And if he had never gotten to Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife would have never wrongly accused him. And if he had never been wrongly accused of rape by Potiphar's wife, he would have never been thrown into prison. If Joseph had never been thrown into prison, he would never have interpreted the cupbearer's dream. And if he had never interpreted that dream, he would have never had the opportunity to help Potiphar when he began to have nightmares and ask for someone to come and interpret his dreams. And if Joseph had never come before the right people, he would never have been put into second in command. And if he had never gained that position, he would never have been able to save all of those people when that famine came. If any one of the things in that chain of events had changed, the final outcome would have been so different. Every sin committed against Joseph had to happen if he was going to play the role that God had long before laid out for him. And the same is true with you and me. We are responsible for our sin. And we need to recognize that sometimes other people hurt very definitely because of our sin. We need to recognize it and admit what it is and confess it. And only then is God able to use our sin to glorify him, to bring glory to him. God controls things and sometimes he does so in some amazing, unbelievable ways. Corey Tenboom tells about forgiveness in her life. If you don't know Corey Tenboom, I encourage you to get her autobiography and read it. She and her family were Christians, but they were held in a Nazi concentration camp. And years after her release from that prison, she was at a speaking engagement sharing about her family's experiences. And after she was finished speaking, people from the audience were coming up and talking to her. And as she was talking to those people, she found herself suddenly face to face with one of the cruelest and most heartless German guards she had ever met. This man, while they were in the concentration camps, had humiliated and defiled and degraded her and her sister. He had done terrible 
horrible, unthinkable things to the prisoners there. And now he was standing right in front of her. And he held out his hand to her and he said, Will you forgive me? Corey says, I stood there with coldness clutching at my heart. What was I going to do? I prayed, Jesus, help me. And she says, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And then I experienced an incredible thing. She said, an electric current started in my shoulder, ran down my arm, and sprang into our clutched hands. And then a warm reconciliation just seemed to flood over my whole being. I forgive you, brother, she was able to say. She says, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I have never known the love of God as intensely as I did in that moment. That's the power of forgiveness in our lives. But when we carry around hate and anger and resentment, it poisons us. It poisons our mind. It poisons our body. We become hard-hearted and defensive, and, and we build up emotional walls around us. In order for those walls to come crumbling down and for spiritual growth to happen, forgiveness has to take place. My friends, how can we expect mercy shown to us when we stand face to face with God if we have not shown mercy to those around us here? At some point, every one of us has been hurt. Every one of us. Have you forgiven those hurts? Have you forgiven that person that's hurt you? Will you allow me to be just real honest with you for a couple of minutes here? You know, it was about five years ago that Steve and I began attending Bar's Mill. And in all honesty... When we came here, we carried some hurts. And when we came here, some of you were hurting. The problem is, some of us are still carrying around those same hurts. We're still carrying around those same grudges in our heart. And what that means is that we have not allowed, that we have allowed ourselves to be a prisoner. We are held captive, and that's not how God wants us to live our lives. Through the story of Joseph, we see that even when we have the right, when we have truthfully been hurt very, very deeply, and we should be able to get revenge, when we continue to feel resentful and carry those bitter feelings, about somebody that has wronged us, 
We need to be willing to trust God to do what he says. Because God says he will take care of our hurts. He will fight for us. That's what Corey Ten Boom was referring to when she told about that experience. Forgiving that guard couldn't have happened except for God. And you and I, forgiving the people that have hurt us, can't happen unless we too have given it over to God and allowed him to work in our lives. God's word tells us, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And you know, the thought came to me this morning, Louise, those words are for you. They're not for this guy here or that lady there. They're for me. They're for each one of you. That's how we are to live our lives, not letting evil conquer. But instead, we're to hand our hurts over to God. We're to allow ourselves to be free, free of that burden of always looking out for a way to get even. We need to trust God to do what he has told us he will do. We need to hand it over and then leave it. And that can be very hard to do, can't it? I remember years ago someone said, when you've got something that you need to forgive someone, pretend like you're holding it in your hands and close your hands around it because that's what we're doing with it, isn't it? Those hurts we're holding prisoner. And then they said, go to God in prayer and hand them over. And I remember doing that. I can't tell you what I was giving over. But I remember going to God in prayer and, and having my hands tightly around what I was upset about and saying, God, I give it to you. And my fingers wouldn't unfold because I wasn't really giving it over. And that was a mighty lesson to me that if I'm going to tell God I give it over, I'd better mean it and I'd better do it and I'd better be able to open my hands and release it to him. And when I was finally able to do that, oh, what relief I felt. I no longer was carrying that burden. God had it now. It was up to God to deal with it, not me. Let me share one more scripture with you. God works in amazing ways. I had not told Lynn what I was talking about this morning. I hadn't told anybody except Steve. 
But this was the verse that's in our bulletins this morning. This is a verse that was on the PowerPoint this morning from Matthew 6. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But it doesn't stop. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Steve Childs reminds us that when God gave this, or when Jesus gave this command, it immediately follows the Lord's Prayer. And he had just told the disciples in that prayer, he had taught them to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those against us. He was very intentional in saying those words together. He knew that it was going to be a tough pill for them to swallow. He knew that our hearts are bent towards justice, not mercy. He knew that we spend a lot more time worrying about what's fair and not what's best. He knew that when we forgive we feel like we're letting people off the hook or that we're no longer holding them accountable for what they did. But Jesus knew that not forgiving makes us feel like we have power and control. And he knew that forgiveness makes us feel vulnerable and exposed. He knew we hate to forgive. But he also knew that forgiveness was the only way to wholeness and peace. He knew that when we forgive, we are the ones set free. And he knew that when we forgive, we cut the cords of control that others have over us. And he knew that when we forgive, we become invincible and unshakable. And he also knew something else we often forget. He knew how much we would need forgiveness ourselves. And so for your sake, for God's sake, for the sake of that one that we are holding resentment towards, forgive. It may be the greatest gift you will ever give yourself. God's word for you today is Forgive. Every one of us is guilty. Every one of us has regrets. But the time is now. The time to forgive. It's time that we let go of that grudge that we have been holding on to for so long. I know what happened to you wasn't right. And I know that you have suffered great pain because of it. I have suffered great pain because of people that have hurt me. And I know if you're like me, it infuriates me every time I think about what they did. But that's why we need to forgive. And sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. Why do we continue to do it? Why do we continue to live day after day with that poison of unforgiveness 
running through our systems, running through our minds? Why do we lay awake at night thinking about how we've been wronged when we can hand it over to God? He's going to be awake anyway, 24-7. We don't need to stay awake and worry about it. Why do we let unforgiveness steal our energy, steal our time, and steal and rob our emotions? We have enough in life without needing to try and get even with people. You see, every moment that we spend in the past is a moment that we have lost today. There's much better ways to spend our time today than reliving everything that took place before. We don't need to spend our time drumming up memories about how we have been hurt. Today is the day. Make it your day. It's the day to forgive. Let's turn it over to God and be done with it. Will you pray with me? Father, you have given us a great gift. And it is the gift of forgiving. But Father, we have to be willing to do it. We have to be willing to turn it over to you. And Lord, sometimes we don't want to. Sometimes it's almost like We enjoy groveling in how wronged we have been. But, Father, that's not really where our joy comes from. Our joy comes when you forgive us. And we must allow others to experience the joy that comes when we forgive them. Father, help us today to recognize when enough is enough, when we need to just give it up and give it to you because we can do nothing better with it than turn it over. Help us, Lord. Amen. Would you-